0: This episode is brought to you by Crimped. This is the best app I have seen when it comes to self-coached training for rock climbing. Crimped has dozens of workouts crafted by world-class climbers and coaches that focus on all the different facets of climbing performance and training, including workouts to guide your outdoor climbing. I just did a fun collaboration with the guys at CRIMPT, and now all of you can try out my three favorite outdoor bouldering workouts right there in the CRIMPT app. We've got one called Stevens Outdoor Bouldering Warm-Up, which is my go-to warm-up on a bouldering day. We've got Stevens Outdoor Limit Bouldering, which will guide you through my approach to projecting hard boulders. And finally, we've got Stevens Outdoor Strength Zone Bouldering, which guides you through a strength-focused bouldering session. I've used that one a lot in Waco Tanks over the past few years with great results, and it's a great format for sending some second-tier boulders and building some strength out there on the rock. So check them out. Check out the Crimped app at crimped.com. That's C-R-I-M-P-D.com to get started and download the Crimped app for free. And type Steven. S T E V E N into the search bar in the app to try my go to outdoor workouts. That's crimped.com or find the crimped app in the App Store. Type Steven into the search and have fun out there on the boulders. This episode is brought to you by Rhino Skin Solutions, my go to when it comes to taking care of my skin for climbing and training. Here's the deal, it's springtime here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's starting to get a little bit warmer. And if you're like me, and you're trying to climb outside on rock all the time, sweaty hands are once again a factor in your performance. Luckily for us, my pal Justin Brown, the founder of Rhino Skin Solutions, has a solution. Rhino's line of antiperspirant products are a game changer when it comes to climbing in warm or humid conditions, especially if you have sweaty skin, like I do. Check out their performance cream, dry spray, and tip juice to keep your hands dry as you tackle your spring and late springtime projects. This whole episode's about projecting. This is a great product. For trying hard on the rock. Also, check out my episode with Justin way back in episode 22 of The Nugget to learn how to use these products and how to take care of your skin for whatever type of climbing you love to do. That's a really valuable episode. I still highly recommend episode 22 of The Nugget. Head over to rhinoskinsolutions.com and enter code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next order of Rhinos antiperspirant products. Stock up on performance cream, dry spray, and tip juice, and keep your skin dry and happy in the springtime heat as conditions get warmer and warmer. Once again, that's rhinoskinsolutions.com. Use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next order. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another Fundamentals episode. This is number five of our first six-part series. And we've got a bunch of other topics picked out for another six-part series. So let us know if you guys are enjoying these. And um, yeah, we're, we're thinking of doing more Fundamentals episodes on how to start weight training for the first time, how to recover from an injury. Um, what are some other ones that are on that potential list? We talked list? about how
1: to start hangboarding. Yeah. How to start climbing on a board. Right. They, they get progressively less fundamental. <laughs> It'll be the 201 to 301 classes. Yeah. Season two will be a lot
0: more training focused. So if you guys are enjoying these and would be interested in that, let us know. And we'll do another round. Jesse, today we're talking about how to pick a project. When's the last time or what's an example of a time where you felt like you picked a perfect project? And I will let you interpret perfect however you want.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. This is uh I, I I'm excited about this topic because I think um picking the right project is it's kinda everything to our satisfaction as climbers. Like and we were actually talking about this a little bit at dinner tonight, like the difference between like being happy with your trip and like being deeply dissatisfied with your trip could be like you dry fired on on the attempt that would have been the send <laughs> and then you like hold that against yourself forever you know and like the whole trip is dog shit after that right which is so so cruel but um yeah that's a bit of an aside the the point is like what project you choose is kind of everything if you're a climber who likes to 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 project stuff and if you interpret the term project kind of broadly then i think you could also have like a flash project or an on site you know like not a project, but a goal, you know, I want to on-site this whole crag or I want to like flash this thing eventually. Mm-hmm. It's still kind of a project. Yeah, we. Yeah, your project
0: could be a crazy link up you want to do at your local crag or in Yosemite sure. or something like that.
1: Yeah, or to like climb all the problems on a given boulder like in a day or, or whatever. It could be mm-hmm. a lot of things for sure. And I think it's good to interpret it broadly because that lets us be motivated by whatever we want to. I don't know if this is the most perfect project I've ever picked, but for me, the one that springs to mind is um, last year... At some point I set the intention of climbing uh, this problem in Leavenworth called turbulence. Mm. And I had tried it in like 2014 or 15 or something, and it just seemed like a million miles away. And then I like went down and looked at it and it just seemed like I was like, okay, I like really want to try to do this now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna like really try to do it next year. That was in 2021. No, that was in twenty. 20- 20. <laughs> <laughs> did I do that problem in 2021? Yeah. COVID time warp. Whatever it was, there was, a, there was a year gap and during that year gap, I like made it my phone lock screen and like mm. obsessed over beta and like did some specific training to like try to get ready for it and everything. And then by the time it rolled around and it was time to do it, I like kind of smashed it. Mm. I didn't nice. epic on it at all. And I like super big projects where you go back to them like 10 or 12 days or something like that. Um, I don't do as much of that Now, as I used to, because I find I get a lot more satisfaction out of like kind of planning in the back of my mind to go to something and like preparing for it Mm. as well as I can so that I can like show up and do it because you just do more stuff that way, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's for me, for the style of climbing I like to do, that's kind of a perfect project. I think it took me like a couple days, days like that. Um, So that's, that's my answer. What's, what's something you've picked that was perfect lately? I know. Perfect is tough. I, I've been thinking about that. Um, it's going to be different for every person. Right. Some people like to try something for 50 days.
0: Totally. And that's not really me either. I may be like still more, a little more shifted that way than you are at this stage in your climbing. But I think we're both people that like to just do tons of climbs and try to send lots of stuff. Um, the first thing that came to mind, you know, when you say the word perfect is Eternia last summer in Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, For people listening, that's a long V11 roof. And my first day on it, I was super inspired by it. I just thought it looked so cool. I knew it would be hard for me. It seemed really intimidating,
1: Um, but it also seemed very workable. It's a logistical nightmare too. Yes, yes. It's a long-ass hike hike
0: up there. pads are really tough. You need like five pads um, and it's way up in the back country. And it's a really long power endurance boulder, which is, in some ways a style that's that suits me and in some ways a style that's always been really hard for me. Um, it's always hard for me if it's power endurance and fingery, but I tend to do better if it's power endurance and, and body, um, you know, body strong sort of. Body power. Body yeah. power. But but yeah, so that one, just because I had an inkling that I could do it, but I didn't know. I thought it was possible, but I didn't know if I'd be able to pull it off. I didn't do all the moves the first day, you know, for for reference, and it's 18 moves long. Um but I just signed up for the challenge of it. I was just like, I want to try. I want the experience of this project, even if I don't do it. And I just felt very clear about that the whole time. That's great. Yeah, and and that's the common denominator when I think about all the climbs, um, the projects that have felt the most right, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's, I wanted to to experience that process and didn't get the angst and the frustration and the head spinning of, you know, I should have done it by now. When am I gonna do it?
1: Any day now, all that sort of stuff. You kind of knew that you were like signing up for that emotional investment. So it wasn't mm -hmm. as burdensome when you're actually going through it.
0: Totally. I was like, this thing's gonna make me a better climber. And this is gonna be an experience that I can remember. And in the end I pulled it off, but I could have not pulled it off and that would have been okay too. And it was just like the fact that it did, of course, is like why it stands out in my head. But, But yeah, just a super memorable.
1: Can I process overall? Can I share um, the opposite answer? Sure. So, <laughs> and it's funny cause this is like, it's not the worst, it's not my worst choice or the most imperfect choice or anything. Actually, it was a really good experience at the time, but it was a long time ago. It was like my first real V10. I think I did a, a few V10s, but um, they're either like now thought to be soft or at the time they were, you know, I love doing them or whatever, but this was like my first like really legit like benchmark. Um, for me, this is a thing called Cedar Project in in Portland. Mm. And the reason that it's like the best and worst is because I started trying it. I did the V8 next to it. And when I say V8, I think it's actually a V6, but it's like notoriously sandbagged. So in my head, it's just V8. (laughs) Nice. It was like a V8 project for me, whatever grade it was. And I did that and I just immediately tried started trying the V10.
0: You know what I mean? And I like,
1: I had no idea what V10 was or anything like that. And then I tried it for like years, probably like 30 days or something like that. And it was just this ridiculous, laborious, like epic, you know, it was like a labor of Hercules type deal, you know? And in retrospect, it's just so silly to spend that much time under one boulder, not even like the most objectively like five star boulder or anything kind of dumpy actually. You know, but I like learned a lot about my climbing and I'm glad I did that. And now I don't do that every time anymore, Mm. even though that was so early, you know, Mm. I haven't gotten that sucked in very many times because I realized at the end of the process, like, oh, I could have spent those two years doing other V8s and 9s, going other places, investing that emotional energy somewhere else, and then like come back and done this in a few days. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, I kind of tell that story because that's where I learned that lesson. I think it's a good lesson to learn for yourself you don't have to you know learn it from a podcast but um yeah it's just it's what jumps to mind for me is like the imperfect that's great do you have an imperfect answer well (laughs) one you did um good
0: question i mean i actually had another one that was that has a lot of good things about it Um, because I, it kind of ties into some of the tips that I have and I wanted to share a sport climbing example as well, Sure, but like to answer you, yes, I have so many uh, stories of the imperfect ones where I tried something that was just like a couple notches too audacious Mm
1: -hmm.
0: or, um, you know, this will tie into some of my tips and pitfalls, but just, it just it was the it would it would have been the hardest thing i'd ever done at the time and it was logistically really complex mm-hmm. or had a bunch of other things working against it. Yeah. Um, you know, just really really reaching and not really stacking the cards in my favor very well. Right. So, definitely definitely a lot of those. Um Yeah, that's probably the common the common thing that comes to mind for me when i think about like which What times you know? Which what are the examples of times where I totally botched it with picking a project?
1: Yeah, I think we're gonna jump. We're gonna start jumping into tips here. (laughs) Yeah, um,
0: but I'll share one more good one. This was, I feel like I have to share a sport climbing one because I'll probably talk a lot about picking a project through the lens of sport climbing in this conversation because I've done more of that. I feel like in the last handful of years, Um, crime wave my first five thirteen D at Smith Rock Mm. in the Aggro Gully. That's your first thirteen D. Yeah. That's fucked up. <laughs> have you tried it? Yeah, I no, I've just looked at it. <laughs> okay. And it's it's it was interesting because I had done all the I'd basically done everything in the agro, agro goalie up to that. So I'd done all the 13 Cs, I'd done everything easier than that. And that one's like for people listening, it's totally neglected. It's objectively kind of atrocious like it has like, like a four monos in a row or something like no, that. No, it has like a I think you're probably you're, you're thinking of uh Oh, I I have mixed up. Okay. Shotgun wedding or something or sure shot or something like that. Okay, maybe. But uh, crime wave. It has like a chipped hole. It has like a bolted on flake that (laughs) fell off the wall and then got like bolted back in place and you know surrounded by glue or whatever. So it's not inspiring necessarily, but it was either that or try one of the fourteen A's, and I just kind of had this sense that it would be smarter to try crime wave. It was like Mm. the one time in my climbing where like I didn't stretch too far just because I wanted to do 14A, you know? I was like, I should do this 13D even though it's less classic and Less whatever. motivating maybe. And well, I was motivated, but um, it's funny because our mutual friend, Ryan Palo, actually like actively discouraged me from trying it. <laughs> I was talking to him about it one day and it has kind of a weird history. It was 13C and then it broke and then it broke again. And, and I think now it's like legit 13D, but mm. he was like, dude, it's gonna take you just as much work as the 14a, so just like skip it. It's dumpy, just do badman or something. Yep. But I kind of knew like, I think it's right at my limit, and I think Badman, the 14a is like, or any of the other 14 A's are like a stretch beyond where I'm at right now. And um, and I just wanted to try it. I was curious about it, so I, I listened to that. I, you know, I, I had done this 13b that climbs in from the side and climbs the second half of it. So um, I had that going for me. I I already knew the second half of the route and it sent that hard 13B. So it was just adding like a really hard boulder problem and some sustained climbing to get to that intersection. Mm -hmm. And I checked it out, you know, it needed to be cleaned up. It needed to have some holds kind of cleaned up and reinforced. And that brought a sense of ownership, you know, even though it was a long established route. And it just got really fun. I just really enjoyed like exploring it and learning it and had never seen anyone climb on it before. And it suited me a little bit better than all the other stuff in the goalie. It had like more powerful moves on slightly better holds. Mm -hmm. And it it like worked out perfectly. It was like a perfect project that, you know, it it took a fall season, but it didn't get epic. It was like steady progress every try. And it's an example where I'm like really glad I really listened to myself into um my curiosity i guess yeah, maybe? that's great yeah it felt like the right challenge and i'm glad i listened to that
1: i have a a similar uh I had a similar experience on this climb at the Rat Cave called Boxcar, which is like, there's like very classic 13Cs at the Rat Cave and then like 50 feet over to the left, there's this thing called Boxcar that nobody climbs. <laughs> and like when I first got on it, I literally cleaned cobwebs out of the holds. <laughs> but same deal, <laughs> yeah. same deal. I mean, nobody discouraged me from trying it, but people were like, oh, you're trying Boxcar? Cool. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? They were They're just kind of like, like huh? whoa, people do that? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a fucking awesome route. Nice. Had a great experience.
0: Those ones are fun because yeah. it's it's like stepping into a little... In a, in a sense, it's like it's like that same sort of feeling as like being a first ascensionist or something. There's that mm-hmm. discovery and that kind of sense of ownership that makes it feel special. Yeah, so, yeah, the rediscovery, I should say. Sure. So yeah, tips, tips for how to pick a project. Do you? How many do you have for this one?
1: Uh, I have three tips. Okay. And then I have quite a few pitfalls, but they're kind of like uh, quick hits. Okay, great. I'll go first with tips because I have five. Okay. This goes back to
0: my comment earlier about some of the times where things have gone wrong with a project for me. My first tip is if you're trying to do the hardest thing you've ever done, make everything else easy. So what I'm talking about there is a number of things. Easy access. You know, don't pick something that's really hard to get to or a pain in the ass to get to. Make sure the partners are easy. You're gonna be able to find people to go try this thing with. Conditions, Um, you know, it's not a super short season. It's not in the sun all day during, you know, or in a place where it's not cold enough to climb in the sun, things like that. You know, don't pick something that's outside of your style and um, has like one really low percentage crux move on it. You know, just like make all those other things easy. Mm if
1: you're really stretching and trying to do the hardest thing you've done. Yeah. You can come back to those other things later, you know? Yeah. the Yeah. The more you make those things easier, the, the further you can stretch on like pure difficulty. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that kind of ties into my first one, uh, which is three things for a big project. And my very like commercial way of putting this is the ABC. So for me, that's if I'm like thinking about investing in a project, if I'm like standing under it and I'm like, "Whoa, am I ready to put like eight or nine days, you know, of my fall season?" And I only have so many days this fall season, and I only have so many fall seasons. Like, is this thing worth it? Is this where I want to put my eight or nine days? I, t- I ask myself, like, is it accessible? Is it badass? Is it challenging? Mm. My ABC. <laughs> um, nice. So accessible is like the stuff you said. It's like if it's super hard to get to, it's probably not a great project to like really push it, you know, because you're gonna have that opportunity cost. Um, you know, unless you're like a pro climber or a masochist, or you know, it's like slightly below your your max. Like, I'm really impressed that you did Eternia, and it was one of your first one of your first V11s, right? Yeah, my that's so one. badass. I mean, like, and and if you lived in Colorado and climbed in the park all the time, I would I would brush it off a little bit more. But right, yeah, that you know, was like a fairly new experience for you. So I'm like pretty impressed by that. Well,
0: thanks, but let's let's double click on that for a second because <laughs> okay. because that's a good example. Like, in on one hand, um. On one hand yes access wasn't easy in the sense that it's a big hike and like moving the pads around and stuff is a huge effort but once you have everything set up it's, it's right so work a different kind of accessible it, yes exactly yeah. it's so workable and there's no really hard crux stopper move and yeah. so that's
1: what it had going for it that made it less intimidating gotcha yeah so that totally makes sense yeah um accessible is a very broad term i guess right and there's layers the other two are too so I say badass but what I actually write is motivating like I need to be motivated by it. Mm-hmm. And for me I'm I often find that many of the things I find attractive in rock climbs can be summed up by badass like when you just look at it and you're just like that's badass, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like for me that's often like it's tall or it's a cool shape or the holds look really cool, you know, or like I saw like somebody climbing on flakes it. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, monos, yeah. Um <laughs> I mean, like, you got to know your your reasons for doing it, like, why you play the game to understand what that is for you. That's just what works for me. Yeah. Um, and the third one is challenging, and, like, some people are motivated by just pure difficulty, mm-hmm. you know, and they could climb on, like, a dinky limestone. Like, I, there's probably people listening to this in the UK who climb on those limestone caves, which I, I... There's a certain part of me that's, like, that's sick, and I'm, like, inspired by it, you know, because I get what it's like to, to just, I've lived in Oregon and bouldered for a long time. So I get what it's like to just, you have what you have and you want to try really hard on it. I think mm-hmm. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the challenging part is basically like, if you're picking a project, then it you know—it obviously needs to be something that you're not going to do really quickly or you're not going to get the experience that you want to get out of it, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think inspiring, I think inspiration is interesting because I, I don't know about you, but I think it's like tempting to automatically jump to aesthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, or Aura, you know? Mm-hmm. But for me, like with Crime Wave is a, is a great example. I was very inspired because the movement seemed really cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, objectively, it like is not an inspiring climb to look at. But I was like, oh, that, that has some really cool things going for it, actually. Um, and that's more of a
1: common thread for me, is mm-hmm. the movement. Yeah, see, I, I also get into the movement, but I find that as I learn roots or boulders, I kind of fall in love with the movement, even... If it's like kind of fucked up and awkward, Mm. because I tend to, I start to appreciate like those nuances. Mm. And I think that's why aesthetics like draw me to things so instantly because I know that if I try it a lot, I'm going to fall in love with it. Oh, that's
0: cool. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: But I get, I get that it it works so many different ways. Right. So I guess know thyself is like a pretty, pretty big,
0: totally, lots of different, yeah, whatever inspires you. Just pay attention to that. That's great. Okay. My second tip is remember that grades are a relative difficulty marker and they're not absolute so for example if you want to do a project that is outside your style that's great just drop the grade appropriately
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's a mistake I've definitely made it's it comes down to what you said about challenge you know it's like adjusting whatever you need to adjust to make sure the challenge levels right I yep. think that's really important yeah and that could also um, you know, grades are relative if you're on a shorter trip that's where that gets really important too you know like the grade you pick on a two-week trip is totally different from
1: a grade that you might pick for a season at home right yeah yeah i often think about that in terms of the whole pyramid or base building conversation like we're here in waco i've been here for like a month or something and i've basically been rebuilding my pyramid while we've been here not like fully but like a little bit because i know that there's just so much different stuff to each area that i need to like build back up and get familiar with it. And I think the same is true. It's true of each area. It's true of each steepness. It's true of hold types, rock types, you know, and and you don't need to get like crazy nitty gritty, but if you're thinking about projecting something and it's like a, you know, just look at like the steepness, the number of moves, the type of rock, even if you just look at those things, Mm. you know, if it's like a 22 move granite roof, you know, and it's the same grade as you've climbed like a ton of like slightly overhanging technical things, you know, it's going to be a totally different experience regardless of the grade. And it's just like an easy trap to fall into, especially when people go on on short trips, like you said. you right. like, well, I've climbed V10 at home, so <laughs> I'll try to climb a V10 there, you know? Totally. I Goes- think thinking in, thinking in terms of skills really helps crystallize like what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. Totally. Really helps with the expectations too. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's great.
1: Um, My next one? Yeah. So on the same vein, what I wrote is... Uh, a V grade is a poor substitute for motivation and I don't, I don't want to like shame any grade chasers. I've done my, my bit with grade chasing and I don't think I'm quite finished with it yet. So I'm sure I'll be there again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, There's a John, there's a John Sherman quote. It's in the Leavenworth guidebook. And I I don't remember it verbatim, but it's, it's something to the effect of like each boulder problem, problem or route that you climb is like a meal, like a beautiful meal to be like appreciated and consumed. And then when you're done with it, you like shit out of V grade, (laughs) Uh which is a classic, like John Sherman quote, right? Yeah. But like, especially when it comes to picking a project, like, I think there's some great advice. In right somewhere, right. you know, Yeah. like appreciate the meal and not just the turd. <laughs> I think that that's kind of <laughs> in a very John Sherman way. There's, right. there's something to be learned there. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and thinking skills, like I said, and I think as you progress in your career, I know this is fundamentals, but like the further you get into your climbing, I think it's important to start to recognize your limiters and not just think like the limit is the Seven because that's the hardest I've climbed. Therefore, the limit is v seven. It's like, no, the limit is whatever skill you're lacking in order to get to V eight. Mm. And you might be able to improve on that skill by trying V fours or fives if you can figure out what that skill is, right. And that's the most valuable way to progress. That's much more valuable than just being like, well, I've seven is the hardest I've done, so I should try to do an eight. Like it that skill piece is really what like determines mm. how fast you progress. Um, so I think just focusing on V grades is not a very good way to stay. Uh, stay motivated and keep progressing. Yeah. Or root grades or, you know, all right. that all that stuff applies to roots just as well.
0: Right. I'm just kind of reflecting because I'm very motivated by grades, but as I think about it, I mean, I think grades just represent a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. So it's really that I'm very motivated by whatever challenge that represents for me in my head. Yeah. But then I remember climbs. Like when I think about experiences and accomplishments, it's memories, it's climbs, it's like, Hundred percent. The whole entire chapter of that part of my life, you know, it's it's the partner that I was climbing with, it's um, the season, it's this, you know, the sights and smells and who was
1: hanging around and all that sort of stuff. So definitely, yeah. yeah. I think that's dead on. I actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on us another brief personal tangent because I had a margarita <laughs> before we started recording. <laughs> We're talkative tonight. Um, <clears throat> one of the main things I wanted to do here on this trip in Waco is two v grades below the hardest that I've climbed and I've tried it on several different trips and it was hard as hell for me to do it and I did it and it's one of the most satisfying things that I've ever done and I just don't even care about the grade, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. I'm mm-hmm. so happy to have done it. Yeah, and that's really the experience that you that you should be chasing probably when you pick a project, right? And mm-hmm. it takes a long time, and maybe hitting your personal wall of like what grade you might think you might be able to climb in order to like really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it doesn't take that for everybody. That seems like what it took for me, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's so normal. That's so normal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Cool.
0: Um, I might share two in a row because these ones are kind of connected. So my third tip is to think about what your last six months, man, I can't, I can't do these tonight. Think about what your last three months, six months and year of climbing have looked like. So just kind of reflect back on your last handful of months to a year of climbing as you're thinking about your project. What have you been doing? You know, if you've only been bouldering in the gym on the moon board, then picking a 20 move long boulder problem is gonna take some preparation. You know, if you haven't been sport climbing at all, just take that into account. Just reflect on all that and and think about how consistent your climbing has been and what you've been spending your time doing. And then going along with that, think about what the one and two month lead up time to the project is gonna look like. This is my fourth tip. So do you have the time to prepare? Can you line things up in a way that stacks the necessary cards in your favor to really go after something that's hard for you? Yeah. Um, And then along with that, if you have the time I think choosing a pre-project is an excellent way to to build up towards something really hard. And, and this is more relevant for like your own personal cutting edge. This is mm-hmm. like pushing your own, you know, your, your own peak.
1: Yeah, it's kind of looking at the logistics coin from the other side, almost like the other side of the coin. So like to take attorney as the example, like if you have a month to hike around Rocky and get really fit and like get good at hauling pads in the Alpine, then that's less of a logistical constraint. if your whole trip is two weeks long and you Mm -hmm. really want to do that boulder right Mm -hmm. that's a good tip totally
0: that's a great example because for me i was only planning to be there for two or three weeks eventually or initially Mm -hmm. um and had an amazing time and just climbed things i could do quickly Mm -hmm. and bailed on my trip to 10 sleep that i was planning and just decided to stay and i i decided like well it's late August, I probably have until October. I have the time. This thing's amazing and it's hot everywhere. So it makes sense to keep coming up here. So, you know, that kind of just thought process. Um, And of course, like, you know, this is looking through the lens of me living on the road and having lots of freedom and being able to hike up there. Um, So everyone's situation is going to be a little bit different, but I think just having that thoughtfulness of, of uh, what it's really going to take realistically, how much time it's going to take and then lining up the, the preparation accordingly and picking the project accordingly. hmm Yeah.
1: Smart. Last one. Um, all right, I'm gonna, this kind of flips my previous one on its head, <clears throat> but I thought it was important to say. Uh, once, you, once you've committed to trying to do something, it's okay if, it, you should accept that it's okay if the only reason you want to do it is because of the number or because of the difficulty of it. Hmm. And I think the reason for that is because I keep doing these consultations with people who are like banging their head against projects. And I'm like, well, you don't have to bang your head against it if you don't want to. And they just say, but I really want to climb VX or 5X or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. you know? I think and especially, this is especially me, you know, I think I have a habit of, of trying to get people to back off of that sometimes just because I think there's a lot of satisfaction to be found in just improving and coming back to those things later but i want people to know that like there is something valuable in the hero's journey you know mm, mm-hmm. and and i think you we all kind of have to have those experiences every once in a while of like like you're gonna go try joe exotic i think yeah again this year and you have like free willy here in waco and like we all have our white whales right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, that one actually is a whale our actually. free whales funny. yeah um our, our- not free whales that we're trying to free and i think it's uh it's important to go into experiences that difficult like free of negative emotion and i have those projects too right um and sometimes i have to remind myself when i'm trying them or thinking about trying them like i am i want to do this because it would be the hardest thing i've ever done Mm. and that's okay if that's the reason that i want to do it and not just because it's pretty or because the moves are really cool like Mm -hmm. i actually do want to just be like yeah i'm an x grid rock climber that's okay yeah that's a, that's all right <laughs> i think so too yeah i think so too yeah take that john sherman chase the grade take the grade and then back up and 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 figure out the skills that you attain and how you can roll them in the next thing you know mm, yeah, don't, don't jump right into another grade chasing thing. yeah <laughs> that's a good idea that's 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 um
0: yeah that's smart
1: and we will be right back
0: This episode is brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, with none of the weird stuff you often find in electrolyte drinks. That means no sugar, no artificial ingredients, no food coloring, no fillers, no BS. Electrolytes are super important. It is so important to replenish electrolytes when they've been depleted. This can be after having a few glasses of wine or after a hard workout or a long hike to the crag on a climbing day. When you sweat, the primary electrolyte lost is sodium and athletes can lose up to seven grams of sodium per day. It's hard to get that much sodium from food. When sodium is not replenished, it's common to experience muscle cramps and fatigue, which isn't helpful if you're trying to perform. I love this stuff. I usually take just one packet per day, especially if I am climbing or training, and I really think it helps. It just keeps me hydrated better than just drinking plain water. And I want to drink more water because it's tasty. Right now, Element is offering you guys, my dear listeners, a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any order of Element. This is a great way to try all eight flavors, or to share Element with a friend, get yours at drinkelement.com/nugget. This deal is only available through my link, so listen up. Once again, go to slash nugget to get your free sample pack with any purchase. Drinkelement.com/nugget. And now back to the show. Um, my fifth tip. You basically already shared this a lot more elegantly than than I shared it here, but my fifth tip is to pick a challenge that excites you. Hmm. Really cut and dry. just Because yep. it's surprising. I mean, I, it's, it's surprising when I look back at things I've chased, specific routes or, or boulders. Like, how often have I really done that? I've done that sometimes, but I'm not. I've definitely... Not done that too. I've I've done, you know, I've tried to send something because I felt like I should be able to do it,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: because it was there, and because my friends did it or whatever, you know. Yeah, um, and that's okay. Like I think there's value in you know trying to tick the crag if you have a home a little home crag that has a bunch of routes within your ability. You're going to get tons of uh, experience from from trying to do like that kind of a goal. Forces you outside your comfort zone, like we've talked about already in this in the series, but. When it comes to really thoughtfully picking a project, just pick something that excites you, that you're going to be psyched to try. Mm-hmm. And that takes so much pressure off because you're just going to, it's going to be so much more, um, it's going to be so much easier to be grateful that you're there and just be present and, and
1: enjoy just the experience on it. Yeah. So that's wise. And, and it's funny because part of what makes this topic so hard is learning. What the answer to that question is, like, mm. what? Except, what is it that excites you? Is right. it the difficulty? Is it the aesthetics? Is it the movement? Because it can be so many different things. So I guess you know you have to learn to kind of follow your gut. Like if if the idea of trying something and getting attached to it and Im- emotionally investing in in it excites you, you know, act like it makes gives you a little bit of like anxiety or like tingles or whatever. Then mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that's a good feeling to chase for starters.
0: And it feels remarkably intangible sometimes, doesn't it? It's like it's so personal sometimes. It's like. You know, for me, I I think back to uh, the first sport climb, the first sport crag that I learned how to climb at, which was Equinox in Washington. And I just, one of the first days that I walked in there, someone was climbing Black Magic, which was this 13A. And -hmm. someone was like, oh, that's Black Magic, it's this 13A. And I was just like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. like people climb 13A. You know, Mm -hmm. I just, at the time, this is 12 years ago or whatever, that seemed crazy to me and it just stuck with me and that route had this aura around it just for me because mm-hmm.
1: of that specific experience. Hmm, that's cool. Yeah. That's interesting because the first thing that that I was gonna respond with was um, for me, I don't get that excitement until I'm actually thinking about trying it. Hmm. Not just like the concept of it being something I could try eventually, that gives me something, but it's not the same as the feeling of like, should I actually project such and such a thing this year? And then I'm like, whoa, whoa I got like got you know, like a head rush when I thought about doing that, you mm. know? Because there's plenty of beautiful boulders and especially here in Waco because it's just, it has a million beautiful boulders. But I'll go stand under some V14 and I'll just be like, huh, cool. You know, Right, right, right. <laughs> totally. I have no excitement to, to actually try it because I know that it's like out of reach right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but then other things I'll you know, could be, you know, V7 or whatever and I'll walk, I'll walk and stand under it and I'll be like, "Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to try this." Nice. That's not really a project probably for me, but yeah. Same feeling, I think, of excitement. Should okay. we do some some you pitfalls? Have a, you have a bunch of pitfalls? I have I have several, but uh they're a little bit more like quick hits. So Okay. Or bullet points, I guess. Shall I start? go for it. Okay. Uh, my number one pitfall and I I'm on a little bit of a rampage about this right now, but, (laughs) uh, is over committing to a tick list. Mm. So like if you have your thing, you want to do this season and your thing you want to do next season and the three things you want to do the year after that. And then, you know, if you have like the next 20 things you're going to try planned out and you just go from one to two to three to four to five to six to seven, like I think you're, you know, no, no shade. If that's what somebody's doing, that that's like fine. But I think it doesn't leave very much room for like serendipity in your climbing life. Mm. And it it often doesn't leave a lot of room for those kind of unappreciated routes like you were talking about. Um, If your motivation strictly comes from the list and doesn't come from anything else that's happening in your life, like who you're climbing with or happening to see a really cool, climb on one of your early climbing days or whatever, like those, those things you need. I think it helps if you're open to those things, changing your view about what it is that you want to try. Um, and you know, I mean, I've known, I've known people who have gone to like halfway around the world on climbing trips and they have the eight boulders they're going to try. And they just try the first two of those boulders and that's all they try on the whole trip. And then they fly home and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, you maybe are missing out on some other experiences that you could be having if you totally. overcommit to, to it. Yeah. So that that I can, would consider to be a pitfall, potential pitfall.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking again and we're kind of reflecting on that and I wonder how this feels for you, but I'm kind of having the thought that like more trips than not I have or more projects than not or more seasons than not, I have like the things that have been most satisfying and memorable are things that weren't really even on my radar going into that
1: trip or season. Yeah. hundred percent. That's that's why I'm on this this thing now because more and more I start to have these experiences that I didn't predict and I'm starting to realize that I like it that way. Mm -hmm. And I think you should still plan ahead. Like I was saying, I had turbulence on my, on my phone background and I fully planned to try it and I did and I did it. And I think that's really good, but I'm, I want more of my climbing to be driven by that like sort of serendipitous enthusiasm for whatever it is that's Mm -hmm. happening, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, some friends are going to a boulder and they're like, do you want to come? And you see there's another boulder around the corner and you're like, oh, I forgot that that thing's there. I should try that this season. And then you come back to it and then you come back to it again and then you come back to it again. You're like, "Whoa, I'm like projecting this thing now and I had no (laughs) intent of doing that. Mm -hmm. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. You know, versus having it sort of all all set in, in stone, it probably depends a lot on the kind of person you are, but I really thought I was a tick list person, and now I've realized I'm I'm not anymore. Mm. And I, I didn't even know there was a different kind of person to be, because I thought you just made <laughs> tick lists. <laughs> I thought that was what you did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, what's your, what's
0: your pitfall? Uh, my first pitfall is picking a limit project that is a pain in the ass in one or more ways. Um, I've done that multiple times. Uh, the The examples that come to mind, I had, I have two climbs that come to mind at Smith. One is called Kill the Hate. It's a thirteen A at the very top of the goalie. That's really annoying to get to because you have to climb like a five seven approach pitch or whatever. And then Burlmaster, same thing. At the mm. Top of the goalie, a big hike up there. It's the only thing up there. And I tried both of them when they were very hard for me and had to put a lot of time into them, and it in hindsight, it like really did take away from the experience because there came a point where I just felt like I'm fucking dragging people up here and it's, I'm feeling stressed because I can tell like they're kind of doing me a favor and they're not even trying it. And um, and then, you know, I circled back to both of them and did them when they were a little easier for, for me. And I kind of think that would have been a better way to approach both of them mm. in the first place. So, yeah. It, it goes back to the tip that I shared earlier. Um, you know, just avoid picking a limit project. This is this is specific to a limit project for you. Avoid picking a limit project that has challenging conditions or a really short season or it's hard to get to or it's hard to find partners or the crux hold is really tweaky or sharp and things like that cuz that just It's just a
1: pain in the ass and it's gonna make it way harder to stick with it and see it through i one one that i've learned my lesson on this recently is the teacup which i'd really like to do in leavenworth v13 in leavenworth and I, i sort of realized this year in fall that because it gets sun like so much of the day it's just going to be re- a really hard thing to like push into the next grade on because I need to, it means I need to spend all my bluebird days on it basically. And mm-hmm. I don't want to spend all my bluebird days on one thing. Mm-hmm. And it By doesn't bluebird mean- bird in this context, do you mean cloudy, overcast, not it, sunny days? One, you know, one of those days where everything <laughs> is in amazing conditions. Uh-huh, that's when uh-huh. it's going to be in the best conditions, you know? Uh, yeah. And it's like, you could use those on anything. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to use them all on one thing necessarily. Right, right. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not going to try it. It just means I was like, oh, I'm not going to like have one-itis on this mm, thing. Mm-hmm. And that's actually another one of my my pitfalls is be careful about one-itis where you like start to let all your other climbing suffer because you're just trying one project. Mm,
0: that's totally, a good one, man. Totally fine on that's a two-week trip.
1: Pitfall. Totally fine for two weeks of the season. Totally fine to like dedicate a day, even to dedicate two days a week and have your third climbing day or fourth climbing day be something else. Mm-hmm. Those are all fine. Every single climbing day being you go to the proj, you're going to just you're going to drive yourself crazy unless you're yeah. a very special kind of person.
0: It's a rare person that can do that, man. I have, I, I just totally marveled at Joe last spring, mm-hmm. Joe Kinder, you know, trying um, Joe Exotic with him in the, at the woman cave and seeing him do Mamma Jamma. Um, it was five weeks of three days a week just yep. going out there. And he was like training one day a week in addition to that. And I was doing a little bit, but all of our rock climbing days were going out to that. Cave and he was trying his thing, and I was trying my thing. And um, it stayed really motivating for me for the first maybe three and a half weeks, maybe four, because there was so much learning. Everything was new. And so I could kind of focus on a different section of the climb and, you know, feel productive and learn little tricks and things every single day. But once it reached a point where I felt like I had basically unlocked most of the secrets and had learned most of the, you know, at least the first couple iterations of beta and all that sort of stuff. It just was like, Oh man, I, I'm like kind of getting sick of climbing on this thing. And by the end of the five
1: weeks, I was like, I'm fucking sick of this thing. Yeah. And I, it's time to go. And it, even just it, to not get physically detrained in total, other, in other yeah. styles of climbing over five weeks is like, it takes a really unique type of person, unique genetics and stuff. Right. So yeah, my takeaway
0: was like that works for him and he's kind of known for that. And he's, refined that for himself for a long time. Yep. And it also just fits with like, you know, he lives in Vegas. He only has really hard roots left to do. It just kind of all fits. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does easier stuff too. Um, but for me, I'm like, I I don't think I'm gonna do that again. You know, maybe go all in to like learn all the beta and kind of make quick progress yeah. through that early stage because, you know, we all have limited time. But I've said this so many times on the podcast, I feel like I really thrive on a project If I'm really focusing in my whole week around it and hitting it like one to two days a week and then filling out the week with like other stuff, other stuff, whatever that is, whether that's a board session, whether that's other rock climbing, whatever.
1: It's such a big thing in picking a project is to like be careful about how much of it you get from social media and from like climbing videos that you see and stuff because so often We hold these people on a pedestal, but like they're already very, very special. That's why they're able to do what they do. Mm. And you can't just jump to doing what they do and then become special like them necessarily. You know what I mean? There's so much other stuff that's gone into where those people are at and they're climbing that you maybe don't see. So, I mean, one-itis can work for sure, but I think more often than not, it's just like a default mode that we attach to because it's what we see on social media it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like the most effective way to progress as a climber. Mm-hmm. You know, like the other example that I find really compelling is Daniel Woods doing Return of the Sleepwalker, which he like sort of notoriously dedicated himself to. I don't know how much he was actually climbing on other things. No. I, think, I think not at all. Yeah. At least for that final season. And that's like pretty astonishing. Yeah. For how hard that thing is. It's just like, I don't think very many people in the world could put themselves just go day on day off on that through thing through that and did it yeah and i think a lot a lot of the time we want to think that if we do the day on day off on the thing that's at our limit then we'll be like daniel woods but right there's other stuff that goes into being daniel woods then totally. <laughs> you know what i mean he can totally. do that because he's daniel woods exactly he's not yeah exactly <clears throat> and like
0: no other sport kind of pr- approaches things that way really i mean climbing's is confusing actually because there's the skill side of it where Daniel's approach in that context or Joe Kinder's approach to a project, like those things make sense. You're just obsessing over a very specific group of skills and refining Mm -hmm. and perfecting and perfecting and perfecting. But physically like no other sport approaches something physically hard in that way, you know, like a weightlifter or like a crossfitter would never do the exact same workout day on day off first two for months. Like, yeah, for months. Like that makes no sense in any other physically demanding yeah, sport that in, I can think of right
1: Only now. in like weird edge cases where people are like I'm going to run an Ironman every day for 50 days or, or whatever. But that's not a sport. <laughs> that's like a that's, right. again a very special type of person. Yeah. Anyways, we're, we've gotten like slightly off but I think that there is a pitfall in there somewhere. <laughs> 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 we both had a drink uh we're talking
0: okay it's good my number 2 pitfall and really my pitfalls are just my tips but flipped around upside down <laughs> my second pitfall is um choosing and again i'm i'm looking at this in the context of a limit project if you want to climb the hardest thing you've ever done be really careful about picking a project that is defined by a single low percentage move um or even a single low like a low percentage you know, section, like a boulder problem on that route or whatever. I, I just think that's a really common trap because you ch- go up it for the first time and the rest of the route or boulder problem feels approachable. And you're like, oh, wow, sweet. I like did almost all the moves, you know, it's just this one move. And it can be hard to, it can be hard to know. I mean, I, I think back and I don't, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. is that whole thing. So I don't know how, obvious it could have been if I really stopped to think about it with some of the projects that have just gotten super epic for me, but that's kind of the thing that they had in common. There was like a really stopper move. And if I thought about it, I think I would have known that that was, I was just signing myself up for like a super frustrating process of falling on the exact same move, like 30 or 40 times in a row, you know, and climbing's hard and there's often a crux move, but it's It's just kind of zooming in a little bit closer on that. And what is the nature of the crux move? Like what makes it hard? Is it because it's just physically hard and you're going to adapt to it? Is it just a new kind of technique or movement that you're going to adapt to and learn? Or is it just a low percentage roll of the dice sort Mm -hmm. of move? Like a blind throw to a a precise hold or something like that, you know? Like those things save them for when you can kind of overpower them a little bit maybe or you know,
1: you have a little bit more margin. Well, sort of, no, again, it's like, know, know your style, know, know what you're good at, because some people yeah. are really good at those. It doesn't totally. make sense to say yeah. some people are good at low percentage moves. That seems <laughs> seems weird, but some moves are lower percentage for different people, for sure. Right, right, right. And certain types of climbers will have better luck with getting through a low percentage move route than getting through like a super, super resistant route at the same right. grade, right? right? They just might be better at that other style of climbing. So... That's good advice.
0: I, I guess just like beware of the trap of like thinking that you're close. Yeah. When actually the difficulty
1: of the route is defined by something like that. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of picking a project, I guess like think think deeply about what the actual difficulty is coming from. And that's something that might be hard to learn without investing a day or two. Right. Or more. Um okay. My next pitfall is listening too much to other people. Mm. Um Just be careful. Be careful how much you let other people tell you what you should try because they don't know you as well as you know yourself, hopefully. Mm. Um, And I have a kind of related one, which is don't let yourself be put in a box or don't put yourself in a box. Mm. So much of our tips and pitfalls are like oriented around making sure you have like a satisfying climbing experience and then like kind of change it up and, and go tackle the next skill. And when you let other people like decide what you're going to try or sort of assume that you're a certain type of climber, it's very easy to get like into ruts where you are not moving on to the next thing, you know? Um, so I, I don't know, like the classic example for me is, um, I, I boulder a lot and and I used to live in, in near Smith. So I would always talk to people who like had done some route that had like a really screwed up, hold or like awkward sequence or something that they would consider bouldery. And they'd be like, oh, you'll do really well on that route because you're a boulderer, mm, man. you know? Yeah and i would have There's the number worst. of times i've
0: been told that too my god <laughs> and i have the worst so annoying time.
1: and i just realized after a while i was like oh these guys just don't know what bouldering is like <laughs> i've got this totally backwards <laughs> right like these are these are cruxes that are
0: technically hard boulder problems on these routes at smith but if they were but they're fucked up boulder problems if they
1: were a, if it was an independent boulder somewhere like here in waco i would just never ever climb that boulder <laughs> You know what I mean? That's what my experience as a boulderer has given me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Really selling Smith over here. Yeah. I hear you. Smith is beautiful. It's a great place to enjoy like a sunset after doing a (laughs) multi-pitch. Pitfall pitfall number three. Picking a project at Smith.
0: (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Nice. (laughs) Okay. um, How many do you have left? Uh, I have I have one more, actually. Okay, I have one more, too. I'll share my last one, and then you can share your last one.
1: Or no, no, sorry, I have, t- I have two more, but it, the, the, they're, they're short. You can go. Okay. Pitfall number three
0: is... Wow, I really just did recycle my tips. Okay, not adjusting the grade appropriately to find the correct level of challenge. I think that's a big pitfall. I think people either... I mean, often overstretch because something turns out it's outside of their style... They have limited time. So these this is something to really think about um, based on your circumstances, you know? Like, are you a weekend warrior? And realistically, you only have four Saturdays to try this thing over the course of a fall season. Are you going on a trip? I, I think, I mean, this goes back to our whole conversation about trips, but I think we're generally pretty bad as climbers at being super ruthlessly, brutally realistic about how much time we have. For sure. So just... Think about that, kind of do the math, maybe lay it out on a calendar and pick the grade or the difficulty of the project appropriately based on all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, and just know know that you'll be happy, you you should be happy to climb your project if it's an appropriate challenge level for you, regardless of whether it's the hardest thing you've ever climbed. Like, totally. Like if it's a hard thing for you to do on a trip, you're gonna be happy at the end of the trip if you did it. You know, it doesn't have to be your hardest number or whatever. That's a misconception, I think. Um, all right, my uh, my next pitfall for picking a project is because it's there. <laughs> Don't pick a project because it's there. Mm, that's As a good one. With all the other stuff we've talked about, I mean, it should that one should be pretty crystal clear. It's not a good enough reason, in my opinion. You should have a, a better reason to try it. Now, you might start trying it because it's there, and then you discover something else about it that's good. It's not impossible, but just because it's there is not should not be a good enough reason for you to like invest a ton of time into something. Mm. In my opinion, um. And then uh, my last pitfall is not giving yourself a break between hard projects, which I think we've kind of danced around. Mm, but uh, you, know, in the same vein of like social media and, and what we see on Instagram and in climbing videos and stuff, I think you would think that like all these climbers are just going from gnarly 515 to gnarly 515 to gnarly 515, right? because that's like the cadence that the videos come out at. right. Um, but like often, you know' they're, they're posting stuff that seems really spectacular and hard. And it it is for everyone, but for them, it's actually like one level below, and they're kind of like chilling for the couple weeks they're trying that thing, or they like went off and on sided a bunch of like roots that are a couple tiers below that, and mm-hmm. that was not that big of a deal for them, or they mm-hmm. did a training cycle, and that that stuff doesn't always like filter through the feed quite as much as the totally the the max projects, um, it's like- and. Jonathan Seger is climbing
0: another fourteen a. It's like he he you have to remember that he is chilling when he's climbing fourteen a. Yeah, he's done like four hundred <laughs> of them. Yeah, you know, and it's hard to remember that. It's like God, this guy's fucking always throwing down. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and, and a lot of them, you know, to give to give credit to some of how just how good some of these climbers are. You know, we talked about like uh, Daniel trying Sleepwalker, right? And I'm sure he later that same. Year like went and tried whatever other thing, Megatron or whatever, like day on, day off in a very similar fashion. But there's probably time in between where he wasn't quite doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. There's something, there's some other time in there somewhere. And if there isn't, then then that person's just a freak of nature, right? Like we all need to like replenish yeah, yeah. a little bit and get our logistics back on board and like do the dishes and clean the house and stuff. Like there has to be other, other things in life besides just moving on to the next project.
0: Mm-hmm, nice. Should we summarize? Yeah. I feel like, um, or just wrap up, I guess, with our, with yeah. our top tips. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll throw this out there because we have kind of rambled maybe a little bit more, not rambled, gone on some tangents in this conversation more than others. It's colorful. colorful. Um, just to remind you guys, I am going to put my list of tips and pitfalls in Jesse's lips of <laughs> lips, <laughs> Jesse's <laughs> list of tips and pitfalls. In the show notes for every one of these fundamentals. So if you just want to see them written out, they will be in the show notes for that episode. But yeah, let's wrap up with our top tip. What you got?
1: Uh, hmm, I, I didn't. I didn't highlight one this time, but I think for me, that my top tip for picking a project is to learn to pay attention to that little like voice in your head, because following that voice is is just the best way to have like satisfying climbing experiences. And the best way you can set yourself up in the future to have more of them is to learn to hear it better. I think everybody has it. It's just for some people it's like quieter or louder. Some people have to try the thing a couple days. Some people get it right when they see it for the first time. Some people might get it when they like see a video of of whatever the thing is. But the important thing is to like to know it's there and to pay attention to it because that's what's going to like guide you to to the cool shit. Mhm. Love
0: it. I completely agree. I think that's probably the most important thing that's that's been said in this conversation. I fully agree with that. And maybe I'll just choose this one to complement that. I think if you are motivated to try to do the hardest thing you've ever done, that's amazing. And just do yourself a favor. Try to stack all the other cards in your favor. Make everything else easy. So pick something that suits you, that plays to your strengths. That's not a pain in the ass to get to all that sort of stuff. I think that goes a really long way towards stretching outside of your comfort zone with difficulty. So that's great. Happy projecting everybody. (laughs) Try hard. We'll see you next time.